You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this off-season podcast episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Today, we're going to expand our range. We're going to talk about the NL Central as a whole. I welcome Sean Sears and Lucas Smith. Sean from the Lockdown Cubs podcast and Lucas Smith from the Lockdown Cardinals podcast. We're going to wrap up 2020 from a divisional perspective. Talk about the fact that we had four teams in the playoffs and uh, where what that all means moving forward. Today is going to be part one of our awesome conversation. But before we get into all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the Lockdown Reds podcast. That way, you don't miss any Reds talk during this offseason. I'm aimed to bring you some Cincinnati Reds each and every day into your life because we all agree that more Reds is a good thing. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. And save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, without further ado, let's jump in to the Locked On NL Central crossover. All right, what's going on, Lockdown MLB fans? I am Sean Sears. I host the Lockdown Cubs podcast. Joined with me as well is two of the other central, NL Central hosts being Lucas Smith. And, of course, we've got none other than Jeff Carr from Lockdown Reds, who's got a magnificent voice. Uh, what is up, guys? <laughs> I feel like How's I got going? gypped in that intro. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like Jeff got a much more glorious intro than I did. I don't Lucas, know. Lucas is an also ran. <laughs> Lucas has got a great voice too. I just feel uh, anytime I get on a podcast with Jeff, I'm always put at ease, even if it's a stressful day talking with Jeff, especially the last time we talked, we were talking about, uh, what was it? Cincinnati's got some like crazy, awesome, like French fry ice cream. Yes. Yes. And I'm still been gypped on it. I still haven't had any of it. I really cannot wait for 2021, mostly for the s'mores fry box, but also for some Reds baseball too. We can talk about that, but I'm always <laughs> up for talking about s'mores fry box. Uh, yeah, no, I have been, I've been thinking about that. Every time I, I watch the Reds highlights, I think about it now. It's, uh, I've never had it before. And I honestly don't even know if I'm like that excited about it. I just like, it's like, it's like, a, it's permanently associated in my brain, I guess. But, um, Obviously, the NL Central, we had four playoff teams, which was great, at least on paper. But when you kind of dive into these teams, like I'll go on record and say, I honestly think if there were two more weeks in the season, the Cubs might be third place in this division Mm -hmm. um, with how poorly they were playing going up into this run. But there's still some positives to take away. Jeff, obviously, I'll start with you here. The Reds, they came with a ton of expectations. They were starting to kind of figure it out towards the end. That had to be so frustrating to see this scene, this team like kind of getting things, I guess, going in the right direction and then 
the season abruptly ends. They get to the postseason. doesn't quite work out. But I guess what was your takeaway from this Reds team? It was so crazy because, like you mentioned, we go into opening day thinking, oh, man, this team can contend for the Central. And then the, throughout the first month of the season, it's like, this team can not be last? What are we talking about here? And <laughs> right. Then, and then they flip the script again in September, and they're like, oh, my gosh, if we'd have played more games. And then they go into the playoffs, and they're like, we're just going to continue to be bipolar and not score any runs. So I <laughs> thought it was really weird. So – we start the season with Matt Davidson and Travis Jankowski on the roster. They go through August. They figure out we don't need these guys. They're not good. Then we go into the playoffs. They add them. And I feel like that was almost like a moment whenever everybody on the Reds team looks at the playoff roster and like, oh, so these guys are back. So it's August again? So, yeah, I, I, it was really confusing. Really fun, though, in September. I mean, that run. That was a lot of fun to witness when we saw some of the guys actually play up to their potential, like Shogo, who got on base 45% of the time in the month of September. And we even saw our light-hitting defensive Gold Glove finalist catcher, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, he actually had an OPS over 950 in the month of September. So that was there was some good. There was some bad. Um, most of the good was pitching. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to watch, uh, but it just felt like after August, everybody was looking up at Chicago and like, okay, let's see if we can sneak into one of these eight playoff spots. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, I mean, obviously 2020 is going to be a weird season, no matter what we knew that was going to be the case in March before we even knew a season was going to happen. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's been weird. This Reds team obviously had a lot of potential. It was a bummer to see them maybe not reach it right away, but it was a lot of fun to watch towards the end. I was, and I, I said it throughout, even just even before they got on the run, that Reds team with their pitching, uh, it was not a team you want to see, especially in a three game set with Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer likely being one and two for game yes. one and two. Like, oh, my God, absolutely not. So there's a lot of potential the, there. The annoying part was the pitching worked. It's just, you know, right. you, you got to score one run. You're not going to beat anybody zero to zero. Yeah. That was, line just got blown with that fact. Well done. <laughs> you know, the, I'm good the with key the to, hashtag analysis. Yeah. <laughs> the key to baseball is scoring runs, guys. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but <laughs> Lucas, obviously St. Louis. Um, it was a weird season for them. Uh, very yeah. disjointed. You waited longer than I think any other one, anyone else did for their team to play baseball, um, at least real baseball a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a pos there's positive things for this team, obviously, still. The, the Cardinals are – it's tough to kind of figure out what that core is at the moment now, but at least mm -hmm. pitching-wise, you've got a stud in Jack Flaherty. And that alone makes you dangerous, I think, especially in the middle central. But on the 2020 season as a whole, what were uh, some positives and some uh, maybe some things you were frustrated with this season, Lucas? I think in a way it's almost similar to Cincinnati where that pitching for St. Louis was incredible. Um, Wainwright pitched like he pitched like he did in 2010 again. You had KK Kim come in and pitch really well. The bullpen was locked down pretty much the entire season um, from, from Gallegos. Guys like Alex Reyes pitched really well. And then the offense was just abysmal might be too harsh of a word, but at times it really <laughs> didn't look like a major league baseball team was sitting. Um, you know, the league, the leader in the Cardinals was like seven home runs or something really low like that. I think Miller and O'Neill both had seven. This, this offense just had an inability to score enough runs. And I think that uh, just because of how good the pitching was, and even when the starters had a rough day, it seemed like the bullpen always was able to come through. And 
it, it was just that that hitting core was really weak. You didn't really have a guy that could back up Goldschmidt, so you saw his three thirty average from the first couple uh, weeks or so. At, you know, weeks in their terms start, started in um, the Pittsburgh series, and you know had that little bit of a layoff, but his average dropped because pitchers didn't pitch to him. There was just no protection for Goldschmidt consistently throughout the year. And you, you had little guys step up, but it was just a bizarre year offensively. Cause again, at times it, it was like they were the, the 1927 Yankees. And at times it was like they were their double a ball club. It was just really bizarre. And then the, the playoffs come and they, and they play the, the, uh, the, the God chosen talent of the San Diego Padres and Fernando Tatis. And, they, they snuck a win in game one and after that with the pitching you felt good but the offense just disappeared in game three so the, the, the pitching was the strong suit for St. Louis and it really wasn't even Jack Flaherty to be quite honest with you he had a mediocre 2020 at best it was guys like Wainwright Kim and Dakota Hudson all stepping up so it was just a bizarre year offensively and pitching wise this this team is top notch they might not have like the biggest names like you're not going to have a one-two punch of of uh you know of I'm totally blanking Bauer and uh, Gray, <laughs> but you're, you're still going to have guys that can get you five, six, seven quality innings. Coming up, I asked Lucas about that one dude, Kim, who was really good at pitching and shutting down the Reds on the Cardinals. And Sean has stuff to say about the Cubs. But before we get into all of that, now's the best time to grab your built bar and take a bite because it's so delicious and nutritious. And if you don't have one, check out BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order. Built Bar has amazing flavors. I talk about them all the time. Cherry Garcia, Cherry Barcia, sorry. You've got mint chocolate brownie. You've got chocolate peanut butter. You've got all of these amazing fruit flavors as well, and they're all very good for you too. But you're not going to know it because as good as they are for you, they are even better in the taste buds. So check out builtbar.com and type in the promo code locked on to get 20% off your next order. Your snack collection will thank you, your taste buds will thank you, and your overall health will thank you as well. Go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. I've been yeah. wanting to ask you since our last crossover, is Kim a magician? Because he's probably <laughs> my favorite player in this division outside of the Reds. And he was just so much fun to watch. And dude wasn't burning up any radar guns, but he was a magnificent pitcher. I mean, it, it's a cliche, but the dude knows how to pitch. He's got a really good, really good breaking stuff. And yeah, he, he just found holes in people's swings. And did he give up some hard contact at some points to get lucky outs? You can make that argument if you look at the, the numbers. But at the end of the day, he did – he got outs. And he, he's not – you know, weird isn't the, the right term I want to use, but that's the, the word that comes to mind. He's very superstitious. Um, <clears throat> where I'm, the first start, he, like, warms up, like, religiously whenever the, the minute man hits zero on it, whatever given time. And he didn't do that on his first start and pitched awful. And that was his biggest critique of himself going into his next start, <laughs> that he has to start his bullpen at a better time. So he's just real meticulous in the way he does things. But he got results for pretty much every start of the season except for one or two. Um, but, yeah, he, he was really fun to watch because it was kind of a head-scratcher as to why he was getting so many outs, but he got all the outs he needed to get. Yeah, he's a, Kim's a fun guy. He, yeah. he, like you said, he does give up hard contact, but he's rocking a 50% ground ball rate. Um, so that's awesome. They can pound it in the ground as much as they want if he's going to mm-hmm. drill that up. There <laughs> yeah. is some like there is some signs of regression, like his FIP is 388. So obviously he, he benefits a ton. Having a guy like Colton Long behind him, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmund at third, those guys obviously, and Paul Goldschmidt all 
gold glove caliber performer gold glove winners. So mm-hmm. that's pretty solid too. But yeah, Kim fit, fit like a glove, especially like you said, I mean, struck out just under six batters per nine innings. Like he wasn't bone dudes down. He was just outsmarting them. And that was impressive to see. Um, I we'll talk about we could talk about the Brewers for a second, even though none of us really are are fans of them or follow them or like them or anything. No, I'm just um, <laughs> now the Brewers were an interesting team this year. Uh, just not a ton going their way, uh, but we're still really pesky. They had one of the best bullpens in baseball again in a year that everyone kind of thought they might not have a great bullpen. Um, but God, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, oh my God, Devin Williams, incredible. Uh, <laughs> like insane. The only downside to a season is why the heck wasn't that dude on the postseason roster? Was my only question. But uh, Devin Williams, incredible. Obviously, a short season or not a short season, but a poor season from Christian Yelich, who I think he was coming to his own a little bit towards the end of this season. But uh, you look at like how much we actually played. Like realistically, this was like the sixty-game season was essentially March and in, in April or April and May of baseball. Like these guys could have easily turned it around, but. I don't know about how you guys felt, but it, the Brewers just seemed like they weren't legitimate, but they were just rather pesky throughout the year. Devin Williams different. was a cheat code, man. Oh, like, God. I hate what that guy. The, I, every time <laughs> yeah, every time it was, the, the Brewers took a lead into the eighth inning or maybe even the seventh inning because they, they like to stretch him out more than one inning mm-hmm. at a time, it was like bye-bye baseball. Like you're not going to see a comeback from your team because they're going to have Devin Williams and Josh Hader, and the game is over mm-hmm. at the, you know in the seventh inning if the Brewers are up even by one. It was crazy. And then on the flip side, if you took a lead um, really into the later innings, they really didn't have a ton of answers to throw on you. So they just they were good at holding leads in the last three, four innings of a game. But overall, the lineup, I thought they did a decent job of replacing the bats that they lost. Not exactly, um, you know, one-for-one one comparison. I know they had trouble sure. with Justin Oak and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they were still able to find the runs. And they they remained a pesky team. They're going to be interesting coming into 2021. What moves do they make to kind of fill out their roster? I think one thing that hurt them a lot, too, that for, for at least for, for my looking at the team really wasn't talked about was Lorenzo Cain. Um, opting out of the season. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's one, he's one of my favorite players to watch. I, I, whenever they signed him two years ago in the off season, either a day after or a day before trading for Christian Yelich, I was like, Oh my God, this, yeah. this team is for real. You know? And I just think that not having your starting center fielder always hurts. Uh, Cause you got to be strong up the middle and, and his bat and his IQ in the lineup is just, it, it's irreplaceable. But I, I think that this team was, was pesky. I think that although they got swept by the Dodgers, I thought that they played them pretty close for the most part. Um, I think for whatever reason, Ryan Braun decides to turn into Babe Ruth when he plays the Cardinals, and he doesn't <laughs> when he plays anybody else, to my knowledge. So that, that's annoying. But I just think that th- this team is not quite there, and I just don't know what their payroll situation is, but I just don't know if they're going to have any sort of money or any sort of, of trading chips to really improve this team in the offseason. Yeah, to your point they, about – Oh, sorry, Jeff. Sean. No, go ahead, Jeff. What were you saying? To your point about uh, Yelich with a slow start, though, I got to admit um, a little bit of relief on that because he, <laughs> in one year he once hit for the cycle twice against the Reds. So I was okay with him not being good this year. Yeah, it, you said, Lucas, I, I know you're talking about Ryan, Ryan Braun. I don't know what it is, man, but it feels like in moments where he can really just be 
a big jerk to the Cubs, uh, and that's me putting it very nicely. Um, <laughs> the the moments where he can step up and make a big time moment against the Cubs, it always seems like he does that. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, to him and uh, not not seeing Christian Yelich be the guy that mashed baseballs the last two years was strange, and uh, I'll take it again next year if when he's facing the Cubs. But I hope he bounces yeah. back. Yeah. He's he's such a fun guy. The the Brewers are such an interesting club because they're. They've always, I mean, like the last four years, I feel like everyone's been yelling at them to go get starting pitching. And then all of a sudden they turn around and it's like, well, we have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Like, do you guys want more pitching? And it's kind of like, yeah, what in the world? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm glad these guys figured it out finally, but like what took so long, I guess. But um, they're they're such a weird um, group because they are small market to some extent. I know their front office is trying to do similar things that Tampa Bay has and they haven't quite panned out quite yet. But they're so different than a lot of other teams because they will approach the game in ways that you just haven't thought of yet. And I, I always appreciate that. So, but on, tell us about uh, the Cubs. How about we go we smooth transition yeah. into the Cubs? Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. So then, then you talk about the Cubs, uh, but uh, <laughs> the 2020 season started out great. Uh, obviously going 13 and three was super fun. Um, and then it wasn't quite so much fun after that. Uh, the offense kind of broke again. We've been kind of saying the same narrative the last four years, uh, but this offense looked really bad this year, and it, it came down to the Cubs' core four guys being uh, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, um, Javier Baez, and Wilson Contreras. To some extent, he hit a little bit better, but mainly Kyle Schwarber. Those four guys just not being who they were the last few years really hurt them. Chris Bryant just couldn't get healthy again. Um, mm-hmm. It brings uh, 2020 – down to a screeching halt here because you look at what's coming next and you, you don't really know a lot of guys that are going to be free agents after 2021 2022 Theo Epstein's likely leaving after the season once his contract is done uh the Cubs kind of have to figure a direction um and they, I think they wanted to do this maybe this last offseason but couldn't because of the Chris Bryant grievance so there's a lot of yeah. questions that come into this year now and um realistically the Cubs probably won't have answers until they get an idea of what the market's going to look like but I would assume the Cubs probably trade up one of their top four guys being Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, or Schwarber, possibly Contreras too. I, I think all mm-hmm. those guys, I would assume one or two of those guys probably leave. So a different team probably in 2021 maybe for once. I was going to say with the last year of Theo, do you expect it to be a lot more quiet than in years past? Or do you think that he's going to make moves with the future in mind? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I, I think Epstein, there's like, I mean, he's like arguably already the best uh, executive in baseball history, probably sports history, like just yeah. ending the World Series for the Red Sox and Cubs droughts, like that alone yeah. is enough. But right. obviously done a lot of good things. I, I have a hard time seeing him just like sitting on his hands and not doing anything, especially his last year. If he thinks this team is competitive, I, I, I see him trying to be more aggressive. Um, what that means, though, exactly, I have no idea because they, they, they have, I mean, all their assets depreciated this year. <laughs> like outside of maybe Wilson Contreras, like a lot of guys didn't build up their stock. Um, the best a- asset you have probably trade-wise would be your, maybe your two starting pitchers and you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks, but they're, they're not trying to blow it up. They're trying to remain competitive this year while also making sure they stay competitive post-2021. So I have a hard time seeing Epstein kind of throw it in the towel a little bit, but at the same time too, if this team falls apart at the deadline, I could see Epstein maybe being a part of the trade deadline conversation and maybe exiting afterwards if this team is bad next year. So um, I think it all comes down to who gets DFA'd really. I think that's where the Cubs are going to get the most bang for their buck. 
take some of the scraps in other teams and hope they can maybe reinvigorate their career. That's probably the direction they go. Going to stop it right there for today. Still much more to come on the Lockdown NL Central crossover. And that's going to be on tomorrow's episode. We're going to look more at some guys that each team is looking at during the offseason. I talk about Andrelton Simmons. Lucas talks about George Springer possibly going to the Cardinals. And dare I say it, Sean Sears talks about what would happen if the Cubs got Nelson Cruz. We're going to talk about all that on tomorrow's episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. That way you don't miss any episode this offseason. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Drop us some reactions to this Locked On NL Central crossover, and we'll talk about those here on the podcast. Thank you so much, though, for listening today. Now, tell your smart device to play Locked On MLB. And I will talk to each and every one of you, along with Lucas and Sean, tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey.